Since Elon Musk bought Twitter last fall, advertisers have abandoned it in droves. Thousands of workers have been laid off. And Twitter has lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Yesterday, Musk spoke with our colleague Thorold Barker about it. Do you regret buying it? You tried to get out of it? Or are you now happy you bought it? Well, all's well that ends well. (laughs) Has it it ended well yet? Or we still got to wait and see? Um, I think we're on the, hopefully, on the uh, comeback arc. Okay. As part of its so-called comeback, Musk says he wants Twitter to become more of a town square. For instance, tonight, he's planning to go live on Twitter with Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. We'll be interviewing um, Ron DeSantis, and he has quite an announcement to make. Uh, So it's going to be live and let, 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 let her up. Let's see what happens. DeSantis is expected to announce his bid for president. Musk talked about this at a Wall Street Journal conference. He also talked about future plans for Twitter, his views on politics, and how artificial intelligence will transform our lives. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, May 24th. Coming up on the show, a conversation with Elon Musk. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Elon, welcome. Hi. Uh, You're in Palo Alto, I understand? Yeah, I'm at at, uh, uh, Global Engineering Headquarters in Palo Alto. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Elon Musk spoke with our colleague Thorold Barker at the Wall Street Journal's CEO Council Summit. The conference was held in London, and business leaders talked about things like economics, geopolitics, and artificial intelligence. One of the first things Musk and Barker discussed was U.S. politics. Musk has become a more popular figure on the right in recent years. Tucker Carlson decided to host his show on Twitter after his ouster from Fox News. And now, Musk is doing that interview with Ron DeSantis. Um, What should we be thinking about uh, who you're backing? Obviously, this interview tells us something. Can you give us a sense of where where your thinking is at the moment? Uh, Yes, I mean, I'm I'm not at this time... um, planning to endorse uh, any particular candidate, um, but I am uh, interested in uh, you know, X slash Twitter being somewhat of a public town square and uh, where more and more organizations host content and make announcements on Twitter. By the way, Musk says he wants to transform Twitter into a super app with things like payments and commerce, and he's been referring to that as X. And should we expect... Um Sorry, I don't want to go on too long about this, but um, in your new role as interviewer rather than interviewee, uh, should, we expect, um, uh, should we expect more of this? I mean, if it's the town square, are you going to be interviewing other candidates, Democrats? What's your, what's your thought of this? Are people willing to come? Are you going to be there to yes. execute the town square across the spectrum? Yes, absolutely. But I do think it's important that Twitter be, uh, have both the reality and the perception of a uh, level playing field of... Uh, 
a place where uh, all voices are heard and where uh, there's the kind of dynamic in uh, interaction that is you don't really see anywhere else. Um, yeah, yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about what are the key issues that really matter for you at this pivotal moment? You mean matter for me as an individual or? Matter for or you as an individual um, in terms of who leads the country, but also, right. you know, more broadly than that, you know, for, for the country and for, for your businesses. I mean, can you give your sense of, of where the real issues lie here? Well, I've said publicly that um, my preference, and I think would be the preference of most Americans, is really to have someone fairly normal in office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we'd all be quite, uh, quite happy with that, actually. Um, you know, I think someone that uh, is representative of the moderate views that I think most of the country holds in reality. Um, and, um, but, but the way things are set up is that we, we, we do have a system that seems to push things towards the edges because of the primaries. So in order to win the primary, you've got to win, um, obviously, majority of your party's vote. Uh, in both cases, that tends to cause a swing to the left and the right. So if we go through the if we go through the four names in the frame at the moment, can you just give a sort of yes, no, and whether they're normal and sensible? Um, so um, we've got Joe Biden. I, I mean, I think I, I think I think I need to, you know be careful about these statements. Um, so I uh, we'd maybe have to have a few drinks before I would give you the answers to all of them. <laughs> and, well, and I will. Um, I will look forward to that, and I look forward to. The, Musk doesn't always hold back his opinions, though, and his views have often drawn criticism. For instance, recently he tweeted that billionaire and progressive donor George Soros wants to quote erode the very fabric of society, and the quote Soros hates humanity. You're obviously a big figure on Twitter, and you're setting a tone and a, an aim. So I'm just curious as to whether that sort of debate which which gets triggered is that does that fit into the definition that you're trying to create in that new town square look what i say is not uh is, is what i say um i'm not going to mitigate what i say because that would be inhibiting freedom of speech that doesn't mean you have to agree with what i say nor does it mean if somebody says the total opposite that they're that they would be supported on twitter they are um the point is to have a divergent set of views and free speech is only relevant um, if it's a speech by if, if speech by someone you don't like who says something you don't like is that allowed? If if so, you have free speech. Otherwise, you do not. Um, can I just move on quickly to because um, I, I don't want to go too far down that that rabbit hole because that debate has played out on Twitter a, a bit. Is um, you know are you back near profitability now? Twitter is not quite there, but we. We're not like, you know, when I first, when acquisition closed, I'd say it's analogous to being teleported into a plane that's plunging to the ground with its engines on fire and the controls don't work. Um, so it's comforting, to say the least. Um, now, we had to do some pretty heavy-handed uh, right. cost-cutting if the company healthy, but we're, at this point, we're trending towards, if we get lucky, we might be, Cash flow, cash, cash flow positive next month, um, but it remains to be seen. Okay. So, you, I mean, one of the things you have talked about, you bought it for 44 billion, you've talked about it one day being worth 250, I think, in internal meetings. Can you just talk about how you get there? What is the 
What is the bigger vision? I mean, you want to bring back advertisers now, and, and are they coming back, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you give any idea of the scale of the comeback in terms of who you lost and who's coming back? Uh, well, I think it'll be very significant. Um, so the advertising agencies at this point have all um, lifted their warnings on Twitter. Um, and so I, th I think at this point, uh, I, I expect almost all advertisers to return. Okay. You're running three very big companies. You have very big stakes and you know, ownership control of, of, of two of those at least. Um, what is your succession plan? Yeah, um, succession is one of the toughest age-old problems. It's, uh, it's plagued um, you know, countries, kings, and CEOs for, for you know, since the dawn of history. Um, there is no obvious solution. I, I mean, there, there are particular individuals identified as, that, that I've told the board, look, if something happens to me unexpectedly, this is who my, this is my recommendation for taking over. So in all cases, the board is aware of, of who my recommendation is. It's mm -hmm. up to them, of course. They, they may choose to go a different direction, but I, they, there is a, in, in worst case scenario, this is who should run the company. Uh, the control question is a much more, is a much tougher question um, and something that I'm wrestling with and I'm frankly open to ideas because it certainly is true that the companies that I have created and are creating um, collectively possess uh, immense capability. Um, and so the stewardship of them is incredibly important. Um, I, I'm definitely not, not of the school of automatically giving my kids uh, a, you know, some share of the companies, even if they are not, even if they have no interest or inclination, you know, or ability to, to manage the companies. I think that's a mistake. Coming up, Elon Musk on whether artificial intelligence will annihilate humanity. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. <laughs> Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Elon Musk has been involved with artificial intelligence projects for years. He was one of the founders of OpenAI, the company that launched ChatGPT, the chatbot with the uncanny ability to produce sophisticated answers. Tesla uses AI in its advanced driver assistance system, and Musk also just founded XAI, a new AI startup. But for years, he's also been sounding alarms about the dangers of AI, and he signed a letter with some other tech leaders calling for a pause in AI development. You've talked about the importance of regulation and you called for this, this moratorium. I mean, the history of regulating tech has been checkered. It's been very hard for regulators to keep up with tech, let alone get ahead of it. What do you think actually needs to happen that practically could in this space to, to try to change that? Because obviously the history of this is not encouraging. Yeah, I mean, I think there should be, you know, I've been pushing hard for a long time. I met with a number of um, Senior senators and Congress, people in Congress and the White House, uh, to advocate for AI regulation, uh, starting with uh, a, an insight committee that is formed of independent parties as well as perhaps participants from the, the leaders uh, in industry. 
but anyway, you, you figure out some sort of regulatory board, and uh, and they they start off gaining insight, and then uh, have proposed rulemaking, um, and then that you know we'll get commented on by industry, and uh, and then hopefully we have some sort of oversight rules that improve uh, safety, just as we do with uh, aircraft with the FAA uh, and spacecraft, um, and uh, cars with NHTSA and. Uh, food and drugs with the Food and Drug Administration. A couple of things I just wanted to go into on, on AI, which I'd love your perspective on. Um, is this going to, what does it mean for society in terms of, is this going to embed wealth and power in a very small subset and create a, a big widening of inequality? Is it going to democratize and create the opposite? What, what is your sense of, of where this heads? In terms of um, access to goods and services, I think AI will be ushering an age of abundance. Assuming that we're in a benign AI scenario, um, I think the AI will be able to make goods and services um, very inexpensively. And in the unbenign scenario? Huh. Well, there's a wide range of... But what's the thing that you're most worried about? When you look at... You know, when you've been talking for years about the need for regulation, what is the scenario that really keeps you up at night? Well, I don't. Th- I don't think the AI is going to try to destroy all humanity, but it might put us under strict controls. Um, I mean, and there's no non-zero chance of of it going Terminator. It's not zero percent, but it's it's. I think it's a it's a small likelihood of of annihilating humanity, but it's not zero. We wanted that probability to be as, zero, as close to zero as possible. Um, and, and then, like I said, the uh, of AI assuming control for the safety of all the humans and taking over all the, all the computing systems and weapon systems of Earth and, and effectively being like some sort of uber nanny. <laughs> but isn't the, more, isn't the more likely nasty outcome that rather than AI taking over and being the ultimate nanny that keeps us all doing stuff that is super safe and it wants us to, that actually somebody nefariously harnesses that power to achieve societal control, stroke, military superiority, um, and that actually some country around the world decides to use it in a different way. Uh, yes, that, that's what I mean by like AI uses as a weapon. Right. Um, and the, the pen is mightier than the sword. So one of the first places we have to be careful of AI being used is in social media to manipulate public opinion. So the, the reason that uh, Twitter is going to a primarily uh, subscriber-based system um, is because it is dramatically harder to create. It's, it's like oh, 10,000 times harder uh, to create a an account that has a verified phone number from a credible carrier that has a, a, a credit card and that pays a small amount of money per month. Um, so whereas in the past, uh, someone could create a, a million fake accounts for a penny a piece um, and then manipulate, have, have something appear to be very, very much liked by the public when in fact it is not, or promoted and retweeted when in fact it is not, this popularity is, is, is not real, and essentially gain the system. So if we take it back to where we started, if you look at the election that's coming up, how big a role will this big shift in AI capability over the last few months, which will obviously continue through the next year, how big an impact is this going to play, do you think, in 
the messaging and the way that people get told um, the different pitches of, of the candidates? I think that's something we need to be on lookout for in, in a big way is to make sure that this, we're minimizing the impact of AI manipulation. Okay. But beyond Twitter, are you worried about this for the election in general? Uh, yeah. Um, there probably will be attempts to use AI to manipulate the public, um, and some of it will be successful. Um, and if, if not this election, for sure the next one. We talk a lot in terms of AI about the next five to 10 years and what the impact is going to be on jobs and some of these things. If you look out on a much longer time frame, given the speed and scale of the change, and you look to your grandkids and great-grandkids, can you just give us a sense of what, what it's going to be like to be human? How, how much is this going to change the fundamental nature of how we operate as, as a race at this point? I think it's going to change a lot. Um, especially if you go f further out into the future. I mean, there will be, everything will be automatic. I mean, there'll, there'll be household robots that you can fully talk to as though there are people um, that can help you around the house or be a companion or whatever the case may be. Uh, there will be humanoid robots throughout, you know, factories. Um, and, um, will also be all automatic. Um, and, and anything that, that where intelligence can be applied, um, even mo modest intelligence, will be automated. Um, say like, so if you say like 10, 20 years from now. Okay. But the actual broad thrust of, um, I mean, jobs will change, but it'll be more AI enabling and making it better and easier rather than wholesale complete change of the skills you need. I mean, it depends on what time frame we're talking about here. So if you say like over 20, 30 year time frame, um, I think things will be transformed beyond belief. Okay. Uh, you, won't, you probably won't recognize society in 30 years. Um, like I do think we're, we're fairly close. You asked me about artificial general intelligence. I think we're perhaps only three years, maybe six years away from it. This, this, this decade. Um, so, in fact, arguably we are on the event horizon of the black hole that is artificial superintelligence. That's all for today, Wednesday, May 24th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.